Good morning, good evening, good night, everyone. This is Coach Master FL here with another edition of Endurance Chat. A week after my favorite endurance race, 24 Hours from Mall, we have yet another classic endurance race in the Big Ring 24 Hours. With me today, hosting this preview show, is Chris Washer. Chris, how are you doing? Now, feeling good on this wonderful Monday morning. It doesn't really stop as soon as Lamar finishes. You don't really have time for those post Lamar blues. You got Nurburgring immediately looking forward to the uh, racetrack action starting on the. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And realistically, uh, you can make an argument in the last four or five years that the Nurburgring 24 has delivered uh, fantastic results almost from the start to the end of the race with barely little any complaints, if any in terms of uh, any on-track controversy or just uh, even BOP, all that. It's, it's just been uh, an epic race, and uh, the weather has played into it, uh, the track location, and especially the u- uniqueness of this race and, and where it takes place, I think, has added to that. I mean, you know, just for, just for people, the, the Nürburgring, we're not racing on the GP circuit. This is a this is a full parts GP part of the old track, uh, which is a 16.2-mile uh, circuit that pretty much, pretty much goes through the Nürburgring Force, or the, the forces in Nürburgring, Germany, and um, essentially, these cars are just going to race through mountains for 24 hours and hope they don't hit a fence that is extremely close to the track at all times, and uh, it is by far and away, I would say, probably the, the toughest 24-hour race any of these drivers are going to face throughout the entire year. It's such a unique feel for it, too, I mean, especially since it's not too international, it's one of those few 24-hour races where... English is not really the predominant language to to get the full experience of it because normally when you enter any endurance race, the 24-hour race, you know, English is the de facto language. But here in in Nurburgring 24, English and German are kind of side by side, and if you speak German, it's only going to enhance your thing because the Germans arguably have kind of the better stream for immersion because they have pit reporters while the English stream doesn't. So it's kind of one of those rare races where if you speak English, you're kind of at a disadvantage following this race. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we are graced with uh, with usually RLM to uh, to kind of give us that English uh, take on the race, but um, so many uh, German friends that I've had, you know, have said that up and down that the German feed is just, they have so much information, there's so much on it. I I, I would almost throw it akin to maybe like the all-star race here in America where we have with NASCAR where you have smaller teams that can compete earlier on in the evening and that kind of stuff where it's almost a celebration essentially of everything American racing, NASCAR. And so there's different elements, even the pit stops and stuff. They're, they're all kind of gone through and gone over, obviously in English, uh, over here. So to me, it kind of feels the same way where... You know, Germany, there's this huge, you know, almost Le Mans aspect of it. And in Germany's regard, they're just trying to educate their, you know, <laughs> their rabid fan base over there. So for me, it, I love, uh, you know, even if I don't understand it, just the amount of passion that they just show on, on stream on some of those German feeds is just, uh, it's nine, nine out of 10, you know? So I, uh, I, I enjoy the atmosphere. And it's, 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 you can just feel the amount of passion that's on the grid uh, for warm up and then even during the race when you can, uh, when they're doing pit reporting and all that stuff, it's just everybody is there to, for for that. Everybody's there to have a good time and have a good race. And I mean, even and we don't even have to go very far to look at even last year to see how insanely uh, great that race was, even with the red flag uh, due to fog. And you know, there, you you don't even have to speak German to appreciate the German feed. You can probably have the German feed up while having 
the Radio Le Mans commentary because what the German feed does is that around at least around the um the beginning of the night, they have antics with their pit reporters. They the pit reporters, all the pit reporters gathered around. I believe it was a Porsche Cayman, and did an actual pit stop on the car. In that same race, they did like a. I can't remember which was which. If it feels like a piercing, or if it was like a blood test live on TV. So, and then then all of a sudden, I think it was last year, they have a bunch of their pit reporters just going up this Ferris wheel, and they're just like talking. I can't speak German, so I can't say what they're speaking about. But they they have their whole you know fire suits and microphones in hand going up the Ferris wheel. <laughs> they they go up to some pretty um comedic antics with with their little Vodafone microphones. So the German feed, I think, is definitely, I think German feed for video, English feed for audio. It's gonna that's gonna be the perfect mix for this race. So, and speaking of this race, I mean, we got over 160 entries, and we got a pretty stout entry. Yeah, I feel like we're, uh, I'm, I'm delaying the inevitable here. I feel like uh, most of this podcast is just going to be describing those, so we probably should get into it soon here. But, uh, so yeah, I mean, just just, just as a quick, just, I mean, I, I already went to, into this before, but just just to give a, a, a setting for people, again, that haven't heard, this is an extremely long race course with 73 turns in it. Um, there, the reason why we don't. This is the biggest race of the year at this course, especially using the old track, is just simply due to that safety concerns. There's just not enough personnel to put on a, around enough of the track uh, for to have higher speeds. Really, GT3 is, I, I would say, the max that we can really put on the old circuit uh, with the new one as well to do a race like this. It's just the track is so dangerous if you go any faster that. This is kind of the maximum that we can get out of it, and we're certainly going to enjoy it as much as we can for 24 hours. Let's go. Uh, so we have last year's race. So obviously, the uh, Manti boys finally won it after uh, the, the two years ago, uh, not having the, or I think that was the same where they, uh, or was it uh, last year where the sister car wrecked in the uh, in the middle of the night, and then the uh, other car went on to win. Or that might have been the year earlier, but Manti's had some issues. They finally pulled out the win last year, so we'll see if they can defend their win this year. But let's just get started right now in the uh, in the entry list for the uh, 2019 running of the ADAC total 24 hours of Nürburgring. I want to say Le Mans so badly, Chris. You have no idea. <laughs> I'm almost not even used to it being after Le Mans. I'm so used to it being a, a week, two weeks, three weeks before that this is – it's strange to be doing this after Le Mans. Usually I'm like we get this in and then we do Le Mans. So, hey, but uh, in a couple of years I think or maybe next year we'll be having it on the same weekend. So that, that'll be a fun preview uh in the next coming years. I think so. it'll be a couple of years. So we got a few years yet. That's a good thing. <laughs> that I will probably die from that. So, all right. I, again, I am delaying doing this entry list for way too long. Let's start. Uh, so we'll do with the SP9 category first, considering, well, I guess, well, you know, we'll just, we'll just start from the beginning. We'll just start from the entry list number well, one. Well, we can cover about every SP9 car and just like, just go through as a whole. We could, we could just mention what we what we find interesting. Yeah, or let's, let's let's do that since it's 160 entries. Really, the notable ones are SP9. There's a few other ones that I yeah you and I are yeah. definitely going to want to mention in the other categories, but SP9 is the bulk. So yeah, let's just do that. So we'll we'll go down the row here. Start starting with SP9. So uh, the Manti Racing Boys, the number one. Uh, first off, it's the 911 GT3R, and this is a Powered lineup right here: Richard Leitz, Frederick Makowicki, Patrick Pile, and Nick Tandy, all in that car. I mean, 
Let's uh, let's have a category of may win and may not win. This is a confident <laughs> may win. The very confident may win since they are last year's champions and the um, did win VLN three, which was the second to last race before that was ran at the Nordschleife of this year before the twenty four hours of Nurburgring. Um, at VLN three, yeah, Nick Tandy and Richard Leitz who are in this car, but joined along them is Frederick Mekovicki and Patrick Pile. So you got two Frenchmen joining along with the Austrian and British drivers. So, and plus, take a look at the BOP list we have here. The 911-991 GT3R, it didn't look like you got BOP'd that much. I mean, there's only you know, a limited understanding of German. We're looking at this BOP list. We're looking at everything in red. We're looking only one um, section of the table is red. So it doesn't look like they have much of a BOP change. We could be completely wrong about this. But it kind of shows that the DMSB and like the ADAC 24 hours number green organizers kind of, if you show all of your pace in the previous sessions, they will honor that and like won't. BOP you to oblivion like another series will. Exactly. And it's the advantage of having almost small starter races, um, you know, that, com- that comprise uh, a championship with, you know, the 24 hours being the biggest race in that, where that they're racing on the same track. I mean, that would be like the WC basically having six rounds, one of them being the 24 hours of the Maw, and the other three or four being three to six hour bouts at the Circuit de la Sarte. So I feel like. It, it's unique and it is it it removes a lot of the politics out of it just because I mean there is it would be so hard for you to basically sandbag and to sacrifice a lot of results earlier uh, just for an, uh, a better BOP break um, I mean looking at it compare because they have the BOP tables for the 2018 and 2019 models it's definitely got more of a restriction on the intake there's more of a rake that's that's adjusted to it and it's slightly uh, heavier so Beyond that, um, yeah, it doesn't look like too much of a, uh, a BOP change with I would what I assume are some major upgrades on that uh, chassis. So number two on the entry list is also going to be number two on the car. It's going to be Mercedes-AMG Team Black Falcon coming in with a three-car GT3 entry. Both of them are within the top six in the entry list. So we get them fairly quickly. You have Maxi Book. Uh, let me rephrase that. We have Adam Christodoulou, Mauro Engel, Manuel Metzger. Dirk Mueller coming off of racing Lamar, <laughs> so he's having a quite a hard week. Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine doing Lamar and Nurburgring all within the seven days. Oh, man, the amount of pomp and circumstance, and and interviews, and si- and driver signings that you have to do in like two and a half weeks has got to be, man, your your arms have got to be sore just from signing autographs. I'll, I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's a. I mean, we're it's it's going to be fun. We're going to be talking about some really good driver lineups. I think for the first uh, first part here, just from just from the numbering list. But uh, I think this is. Uh, a a really good uh, this this will show you really the differences um, with these two squads between the Porsche Mercedes Audi all that stuff and really a lot of the differences are going to come down to some of the chassis and just some of the uh, the team strategy that's going to come down for this so because a lot of these drivers are just so talented and that it's 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 so hard to throw one ahead of the other in a lot of these comparisons that 
a lot of it will just come down to strategy, weather, and just how that car, uh, how, how neutral that car feels. So another solid lineup. Uh, another Team Black Falcon entry right below the uh, sister car is the number three, uh, also Mercedes-AMG GT3. Uh, and that one is driven by Maxi Buch, Hubert Haupt, uh, Thomas Jaeger, and Luca Stoltz. Uh, big fan of Luca, my fan or my friend, and Maxi Buch as well. I'm a huge fan of both those drivers. So Maxi, so um, these guys they sort of race in the ADAC GT Masters, at least Maxi Buch and uh, Luca Stoltz. So they have experience with these Mercedes already this year. And notice how the top three in the entry list is also the top three in the race last year. So the number, so that's an easy way to remember on which team finished what in last year's edition of the. 24 hours of Nurburgring, so that makes it a lot easier on the fans and, and us. Yep, absolutely. Is it uh, is it like a gold number, kind of like the uh, the motocross guys over here, where uh, the champion gets to gets to pick one and then like it's like gold instead of red or something like that? Uh, they should do something like that where it's uh, it stands out obnoxiously so uh, for the previous year's winner. But yeah, uh, beyond that, uh, we'll just keep going. So uh, uh, after the top three from last year, uh, we have Audi Sport Team Phoenix. Uh, driving an Audi R8 LMS, if you couldn't figure that out. That'd be pretty fun if they drove something other than the bag, <laughs> uh, if they were Audi. Uh, with another stout lineup, Pierre Kaffer, uh, Frank Stippler, Frederick Vervis, uh, Dries Van Thor as well. So, great, great lineup. And Frederick Vervis, um, I mean, he's not racing GT3s as much. Yeah, I believe he's a uh, FIA WTCR driver, so I he might be pulling double duty racing in the WTCR support races on the Friday and Saturday morning and racing the 24 hours. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. So many of these drivers are, uh, we're probably going to be commenting on how, ma- how much hours of sleep they're going to be getting because, uh, it is a busy, busy, busy time for a lot of these drivers, especially, uh, just pulling double duty, like you said. So, and realistically, when we're looking at some of these, um, yeah, I mean the 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 last names <laughs> stick out a lot uh, just to see uh, who's German and then who's not. Usually the who's nots are uh, some pretty talented in here in the SP9 category. So, moving on to another Audi. Uh, this is the number five Audi R8 LMS. Uh, this is by Phoenix Racing with Jamie Green, Vincent Cobb, Kim Louis Schramm, and Frank Stippler. The only one I really don't know, Chris, out of this one is uh, Kim Louis Schramm, and I, isn't he? Uh, wasn't he like a Formula? Like Renault Formula Three driver at some point. That's the only thing that I would know anything about Kim Louis Schramm from. But Kim, yeah, Kim Louis Schramm. He raced here before in some of the lower classes. He also was a um, ADAC Formula Four driver, but now he's finding his way into endurance. Race. But Jamie Green, he's been battling some. Jamie Green has been kind of battling. A little bit of a sickness. So guess what? Who's guess who's replacing him? Oh no, Jerome Blickamolen. <laughs> now that is a that's an upgrade. <laughs> Especially coming off of a, after a GTE M win. Yeah, absolutely. Granted, that's a lot different hardware, but that he I, I would say he absolutely hero stinted a lot of that car into into first place in G in a in an extremely competitive GTE M uh, last weekend. So yeah, you weren't wrong. That is a uh, that is a great, great uh, replacement if Jamie Green can't go. The uh, number six Mercedes AMG Team Black Falcon. So this is another of the Team Black Falcon Mercedes GT3s. Uh, this one uh, with 
I, I, I now I wouldn't say this is a less stout lineup. However, I would I would assume most of our listeners haven't heard all of these drivers as much as maybe the first two. So, uh, Patrick Assenheimer, Nico Bastian, Yelmer Berman, and Gabriele Piana. I think I think so. So, so before we get on to the six, let me mention that Jerome Bleakmolen is also a former winner of this race. Oh yeah, yeah. he won back in 2013 with Bert Schneider. Nikki Team and Sean Edwards in the being the Black Black Falcon Mercedes, and that was the first ever overall win for Mercedes Benz. So going perfect segue into the, this number six Mercedes AMG Team Black Falcon, Patrick Assenheimer. From my recollection, he is a ADAC GT4 Germany driver, which you know he races a Mercedes GT4. So he's kind of being moved up here into the GT3. Nico Bastian and Yamal Berman are kind of like their um, blank pan drivers. Gabriel Piana is kind of there when Mercedes needs an endurance driver. I mean, he won the 24 Hours of Dubai about two years ago. And I believe he also won this race before back in... Okay, he didn't win this race. <laughs> and, and Gabriel Piana has always been on the cusp of winning this race before. But he never really, you know, sealed the deal. So he's kind of looking for that first Nurburgring 24 win. Mm. Yeah, as so many of these guys are, you know, right? But, uh, yeah, only one can win every year. And uh, he's with a great team, uh, Black Falcon. I, I would I would think along with uh, Manti are right up there um, in terms of even just potential from the get-go, uh, be at the head of the field. So good shot for him. Moving on, we have our first Lamborghini. Um, and this is the number seven entry by Conrad Motorsport. Uh, this is the Huracan GT3 Evo, and uh, it's going to be driven by Marco Mapelli, Axel Jeffries, Michel DiMartino, and Michael Lyons. So Conrad Motorsport, extremely bad luck at the Nürburgring and this race. I mean, they even attempted the uh, VLN races, and I believe they did a qualifying race, but they never really got that luck on their side. I mean, they always had problems, always fin- um, going at <coughs> the... They always went to the garage early. They've never really finished a race. They might have finished one or two this year, but I don't think they have, they don't have that really good record of making it across the finish line at the very end. But Marco Mapelli um, races with Scuderia Praha in the Creventic Series, and he's winning races over there. And Axel Jeffries, he races in Super Trofeo Europe, I believe. He's from an African country. I can't remember where he's from, but somewhere in Africa. So... Having him upgrade from a Super Trofeo car to a GT3 Evo in one of the biggest endurance races of the year, it's pretty pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, just in- interesting to hear kind of where he's coming from you know, before this race. So definitely, uh, you know, we're getting to the point, at least right now, where uh, there's a few of these where I am just completely. I don't know where they're coming from. So yeah, you're gonna. I'm gonna lean on you more here for a little bit of this, but. Uh, not the next one, though. Uh, we have an, another Porsche, the number 8, uh, 911 GT3R. Uh, this is by Iron Force, by Ring Police. So next up on the entry list, you have the ADAC GT Masters team of Iron Force by Ring Police. This is a Porsche with a very fantastic livery. Very, uh, it, very it stands out very much on the racetrack. You have Jan Eric Sluten, Lucas Lur. Oh, you probably heard that name before. Adrian DeLiner and Steve Jans. And the only one you guys probably recognize is Lucas Lur, who raced LMP1s in the American Le Mans series. 
did quite well for himself too, if I if I might add. Ring police. Championships I like, don't lie. And I, I like the I like the name Ring Police. That's 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 probably my favorite team name so far. <laughs> Got to enforce it. Got to enforce the ring. Uh, yeah. So beyond that, and just another another solid Porsche. Um, I think this is the 2019 version, or unless they're running the 18 version. But uh, yeah, I'm a, I've been a fan of Lucas Lohr since he's been in LMS and was a uh, pretty much a quote unquote factory driver for Muscle Milk, whatever you, whatever that's worth, until they uh, they folded. But uh, he's always been really really quick in a in a race car. So um, expect expect good things from Lucas Lohr out of that car. And yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm not sure too much. <laughs> about the other three but uh yeah for for a while they were listed with two entries so it's good to good to see that they got four <laughs> for their drivers yeah. lineup could be honest here um the other three well we don't know them my guess would probably be that they're in other adac gt driver for them or they raced with them within the vln and urbergen 24 mm, gotcha so well we'll just move we'll move on we'll move on so the Next on our list, we've got a Ferrari 488 GT3, and this is uh, the team, uh, the car number is 11. Team is Wutzspiegel, Wutzenspiegel, Team Manschau, right? Yeah, I think, maybe. Yeah, it's um, it's a newspaper um, that's sponsoring this car, and it's ran by Rinaldi Racing, so it has, it has some help from a Ferrari team back in Italy, but... A very, very much German team. Now, this team actually withdrew from the past VLNs due to BOP issues and started racing in the Creventic Championships instead. Um, but nice to see them. They're back at the N24 despite the BOP complaints. Um, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see how the BOP treats them, and hopefully the BOP treats them right because they're a very, very good addition to the ring and and. Always nice to have Ferraris in a mix of in a sea of German manufacturers. But Daniel Kalvitz is a ADAC GT Corvette driver, won a championship, I believe, with them as, as well. Um, Oliver Kynes, Jakob Krumbach, Alexander Match, Alexander Matchul actually, I believe, raced with Rinaldi in the FIA GT Nations Cup back in Bahrain last year in December. So there's two recognizable names, and the others are just with the Wachenspiegel or Wachenspiegel team, Machal team. Oh, God, man. <laughs> Thank you for the uh, the lesson, Chris. I literally had no idea with half of that, so <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> no, that interesting, too, that uh, that the team is uh, – well, I, I the overall team sponsorship is, for this race, a, uh, a newspaper. And depending on – the what what uh, what year their Ferrari is? I mean, the BOP table is very very similar between the 2017 and 2018 versions. Maybe they were thinking the 2018 would have more of a break or or something because both of those cars, unlike the 911 uh, and the difference of the years, there really is no difference between the BOP tables for both of those cars. So, what if there was something like that, or maybe that's a final adjustment? That's why they're back here because they were complaining too much. But we'll see. We'll see. We do have more information on the um, uh, ring police. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Um, Jan-Erik Sluten is actually um, their GT Master driver, along with Lucas Lair. So Lucas Lair is a full-time ADAC GT Masters driver, along with Sluten. And um, D-Leaner races with Team 75, Koos Bernhard, the Bird Team of Bernhard's team, and GT Masters. So... 
very long list of Porsche uh, Porsche drivers that raced in the German National Series. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so there's a little bit more accreditation that we need to give out a little bit for the number eight. Gotcha. Now they, again, I mean, hey, they're at SP9, so it's not like they, they, they don't understand what they're going for. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where they end up. And plus, if you look closely at what the entry list provides here, um, SP9 is split into about two categories. There's regular SP9, which is the pro, but then they're in pro-am. So they're in pro-am. So they can, if they're not contending with the overall win due to, let's face it, I mean, they're drivers, they're not as the same caliber as some of these other drivers are on the grid. They still have that chance for a class win. Yep, exactly, exactly. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that too. Yeah. Um, beyond that, uh, if we if we move on to the next entry here, this is a little bit easier for me to understand. Uh, Manti Racing. We have another entry from them in another Porsche 911 GT3. Uh, this one driven by Otto Close, uh, Lars Kern, Dennis Olsen, Matteo, uh, and Matteo Caroli. Always try to mess his name up, but I I love that name too. Chris, what are your thoughts on yes, uh, on this third Manti Racing entry so far? So it's another uh, kind of pro am lineup. No, you kind of have kind of like have two pros in it and two sort of ams. Um, people that don't really do it full time. You have Otto Close, who's kind of like an older dude. He's a kind of like a father figure. He's in his late fifties, early sixties, and then you have Lars Kern who did the Nürburgring lap record, probably, I don't, not the overall one, but within a, uh, probably the streetcar division with the Porsche GT2. And then you have Dennis Olsen, who won the Bathurst 12-hour this year. And then you have Matteo Cairoli, who races with Proton in the WEC and did quite well with them this season. Uh, didn't win the championship due to the thing at Fuji, but Matteo Cairoli and Dennis Olsen are probably going to be the faster guys on this team. Lars Kern is probably not going to be too far behind. So I think this could be a serious contender for the Pro-Am. Yeah, I don't disagree with you either, just looking at that lineup uh, uh, from the get-go. And yeah, and, and, and that, that's an important thing to remember too when we're going through the, S, the SP9 categories, that there really is two different types of races being run by uh, entrants in this in this class, the pro, the pros and then the Pro-Ams, like you said. So, um, and, and yeah, you, you've been saying it already, but we'll try to, we'll try to kind of differentiate the two or where or, or one might add up over the, over the other because I mean you will have it where that will have uh, pro-am uh, that are doing better than pros and uh, and, and that in, in itself is a storyline to talk about even throughout the race as well as just I mean after so um, that's one to look out for just just in terms of where the pace is going to be so but sticking to SP9 we'll go to the number 14 entry this is by Team Car Collection and it's part of the Audi Sport uh, I guess I, I, I would say professional um, outfits. Uh, this yeah. is a two-car effort, and this is really just the the pro effort, I would say, out of this. Um, with Marcus Winkelhock driving, uh, Christopher Haas, uh, Marcel Fassler, and Rene Rast in an Audi R8 LMS. Rene, so Rene Rast, last year's DTM champion. Um, Christopher Haas and, my, and Marcus Winkelhock, both are actually all of them except for Marshall Fassler, previous winners of this endurance race. So Marshall Fassler is the only guy who hasn't been on that top step of the podium, but Nordschleife before. So Marshall Fassler, I believe, looking like that's a Swiss driver, along with a sea of Austrians and Germans. So so Marshall um, Fassler, I mean, as weird as me to say it, 
he's the unexperienced dude and on on this uh, driver line. Now, why? So, why do you say that, Chris? Why is why is he unexperienced? Because we all know him from LMP one at Le Mans. So, why why is he unexperienced? Well, in, in terms of on the Nordschleife. Right. Okay. Gotcha. As okay. there's no no wins to be accounted. <laughs> yeah. There's the there's not the wins experience uh, the win column in his experience uh, trophy sheet. So, and also coming from a a, a pretty big impact at Le Mans uh, last weekend as well. Spoiler alert. I think that was uh, he was driving the Corvette in Porsche curves. Unfortunately. And uh, made contact with a pro-am uh, Porsche, which uh, unfortunately took him out of the race as well. So he could use for a little bit better luck uh, at this race. So next up is the pro-am part of Car Collection Motorsports lineup. Um, you have Stefan Oss, Christian Borath, Oliver Bender, and Jean-Louis Hernstein. No idea on these drivers, but it's an SP9 car um, with in the pro-am category. So um, I think this is going to be on the lower end, but I believe... These guys probably raced with the same team on the Nordschleife before in VLN. And, well, yeah, that 14, but that 14 back to that previous century, it's stacked. Yeah. We said it. We said the <laughs> S word. Yeah, there should be a, we'll try to keep a stacked counter for the, uh, for the end here. Uh, during my editing, I will, I will try to, to indicate how many, <laughs> how many stack, because I, yeah. I remember the first few episodes we did and I, we did entry lists, and uh, I I don't know if there was one entry list. I, I think for the day twenty twenty four that I didn't say stacked or it's overrated or it's it's overpowered or so, or something to that effect. So, yeah, that that is a that is a frequent descriptor for some of these these uh, entrants because there is a ton of endurance uh, driving talent that exists in in Europe, and uh, a lot of accolades have been spread around. A lot of trophies have been spread around. A lot of good drivers. So. There's a, a cream of the crop to pick up, pick from from almost any manufacturer um, that they've got factory drivers that are just yeah. legendary. So this is one of those for Audi, and it's uh, Marcus Winklehawk. For me, he's extremely quick. He's just unlucky because I, I feel like he gets involved with accidents that aren't his fault, or he'll be uh, with drivers that will make a bad mistake, and he just cannot, you know. And he gets obviously caught up in it because he's driving the car that gets caught up in that mistake. So. Um, I think he's he's exceptionally quick, and I, I I really I would be really happy if if I saw this team win, uh, just because of the driver lineup and just come because I'm a, I'm a fan of some of the drivers in this lineup. So, but yeah, so this is that that is the pro pro lineup. So the but car collection's got another lineup pro am which is not not as fast yeah, as the very, fourteen. <laughs> very very stark contrast between the two <laughs> car collection motorsport cars, but technically they're both competing in different classes. So they have a, two different agendas on their mind. Um, but let's take a dive into Mercedes territory once again. Get Speed Performance, which is kind of like a Vodafone-sponsored car. Um, Ranger van der Zand, Tristan Vautier, Jan Seyfarth, and Kenneth Heyer. Mm. Man, I know, I know the first two real well. Real, real well. So this is the Pro-Am, right? Pro. This is pro. Okay, so are both of the last two are they ADAC drivers? So Jan Seyfarth, I can't remember, but there's a racing series in Germany called the Audi R8 Seyfarth Cup, which I'm thinking Jan Seyfarth might have something to do with that last name. Last name kind of implies it. So that there's some sort of linkage there. Don't know how accurate. That is, mm -hmm. but Kenneth Heyer has raced with the uh, 
Hofer Racing Team, at least at least in the Mercedes, with the Creventic Championship, and he also raced in the uh, DMV GTC Championship last weekend at the Nürburgring on the Grand Prix Strecke. So, hey, um, kind of ties in neatly. I believe he also won race two on the Saturday. So, coming off of a race win at the Nürburgring, getting into another Mercedes with two other very experienced pro drivers and a uh, Jan Seyfarth, who I assume, because gets who assumed is relatively decent. So, momentum is coming in for this team, I think, because you have a person who literally just won at the, Nord, uh, at the Nürburgring last week, or, and then you have two pro drivers and a relatively decent German driver. Exactly. Yeah, like, I mean, from that... It's going to be interesting to see because, yeah, on paper, um, what we had just talked about in the 14, this is not the 14 in terms of driver lineup, but uh, they they have their own, uh, you know, accolades that recent accolades that would indicate that, you know, they've got they have confidence going in. And I think a lot of this race it will come down to just a, a confidence in driving. And um, and that's what's really needed here at, at this track is somebody that that thinks they're the best that can put down, you know, on tarmac that they're the best and also battle the elements and other drivers as well so um i think that they have a a a lot of that going forward and that is absolutely necessary for this race so should be interesting to see them the uh next on this list is also mercedes uh gt3 it's the number 17 get speed performance uh with their rooster rojo j2 racing sponsor which i love saying that so um and then this is easier for me john schuffner janine hill both from the U.S., so yes, thank thank you for letting me pronounce this correctly. Fabian Schiller, or Schiller, or whatever, uh, and Marcus Paltala from Belgium. So, Fabian Schiller, I remember him from the Renault Sport Racing days where the Renault RSO1 series existed. Um, it's kind of been hanging around Germany ever since, racing in GT3 series. Marcus Paltala interesting move because he used to be a BMW driver racing with I believe Valkenhorst so now he's switched with the Mercedes with Git Speed so it's, this is a change for him it's going to be interesting how that change affects I believe he probably already did a few VLN races I should probably pull up a few of those results of what Mar- Marcus Paltola did if he entered with Git Speed during at least VLN 1, VLN 3 and in the qualifying race so it's Going to be see how his performance of, uh, comes in into play because he certainly knows a lot about BMWs. He may not know a lot about Mercedes. <laughs> hey, look, there there might be some tra- crossover. They're both German. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but hey, that's a. Uh, and uh, so, uh, any uh, comment on the uh, U.S. drivers there, the Janine Hill and uh, John Schaffner? You know, any info about those guys? Now, basing that they're probably both from the U.S. and Louisville, Kentucky, actually. Um, and this is a pro-am entry. They're, they're, they're the AMs, so I don't know anything about it. Gotcha. Well, hey, you might know a little bit more about this uh, this drive for the next team here. Um, and I feel like a few people might want to know a little bit more about what's going on with him. Uh, in the Get Speed Performance Mercedes-AMG GT3, the number 18, uh, we have Luca, Luca Ludwig, Philip Ellis, and Fabian Vettel. Or Vettel. <laughs> As depends on who you ask, but uh, this uh, this would be somebody I think people might know the last name of. 
Yeah, and this is also a pro-am entry, not to the fact that some rich old dude funding the project. It's a bunch of young guns in, into the car. So Fabian Vettel races with the man speed uh, car in ADAC GT Masters. Actually had a very heavy crash um, at the Red Bull ring a couple weeks back in race two towards the end of the race. And then you have Philip Ellis, who raced in the... Audi R8 Seyfarth Cup, which is basically the German GT4 Audi Championship. Um, and they have Luca Ludwig, who raced in G- ADAC GT Masters for quite a long time now, actually. And this is, is the son of former Meister DTM, Klaus Ludwig. So of lots of history, kind of, and lots of history to be made in this Get Speed performance car. Yeah, that, it's interesting to see both of those drives. So Klaus Ludwig, we all oh. know that endurance racing, but then also Sebastian Vettel uh, in F1, yeah. and and so you have you have this almost family massive family talent, where you have the unproven younger talent of that of those families racing this car. That's I I, I find that fascinating, and it'll be interesting to watch the eighteen. And I mean, and plus there's chemistry there, because Philip Ellis and Fabian Vettel do race together in that man-filtered Mercedes in ADAC GT Masters. So Luca Ludwig, who also races in ADAC GT Masters, but in a different Mercedes. So, I mean, they, they spend a few few weekends of their of their year in the same paddock, so there's some chemistry in there in that car. I, I, I hope I hope good things from this car. I, I really do. So I'm going to be paying attention. I, I think um, Manti, Black Falcon, and all that, yes, they're going to be up, up front. Audi Sport. Um, but yes, yeah, some of these storylines I think are going to be related just to, just to see where they where they end up because I think I really like that driver lineup outside of outside of other ones that, that's that's borderlining on stacked even though they're young. Um, I, I think there's a not there's a lot of good talent in there, so we'll find out. We'll find out. The first uh, let's see the first Asian chassis on the SP9 uh, entry list here. Uh, it's the number 19 Bando Racing with Novell Racing. And they're racing the Lexus RCF GT3. Uh, this has Dominic Farnbacher, uh, Hiroki Yoshimoto, Marco Siegfried, and Michael Tischner. Wow. <laughs> well, I don't think a... we can spot out the pros in this car right yeah, away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to just uh, quickly highlight those <laughs> while I'm reading them out, right? Yeah, you get Dominic Farnbacher and Michael Siegfried. Um, Marco Siegfried, I mean, one 24-hour races before. I mean, one with Magnus in the 24 hours of Daytona back in, what, 2014? 20, no, that would be 2016, yeah. I think. And then they had Dominic Farnbarker, who has experience with the Lexuses. Um, one in the International GT Open with the Lexus before, swept the first two races. I believe it was last year at Estoril. So he won with this Lexus before. Uh I believe this is a different team than what he's used to. And this is also a pro-am lineup, so it won't be contending for the overall win. Um, it'll be more so in, into a subclass of SP9. Next, so we have our second Ferrari on the entry list. We have, once again, it's Flockenspiegel Team Munchau. We have George Weiss, Leonard Weiss, a little family affair going on there. David Perel and Hendrick Steele. Now, a little interesting st- story going around David Perel. If you don't see him running in the race, even though he's slated on the entry list, there's a reason for that. He's having trouble um, with his A permit. That basically means, you know, 
his A permit allows him to race a GT3 on the Nordschleife. So he's trying to get that all fixed up. Hopefully we'll see him back on the track. But um, if you don't see him in the car uh, in the Saturday and Sunday during the race, uh, his A permit wasn't really cleared. So hopefully and- David Perrault gets that fixed because he does explicit. He does excellent onboard videos on his YouTube channel that he just started doing around this year. That's pretty good entertainment. He did it for the blank pad races. So hopefully we get one for the N24. So for people that don't know, too, can you give us a little bit of difference between what the A license is versus like a super license or anything like that? Um, and, and why why this is necessary for this specific race, if you can. So... On the Nordschleife, it's a completely different licensing system. So if you all want wanted to race the Nurburgring 24, you have to race here. You have to be able to show that you race here before competently. Like, and any race will kind of do. It, it could be a VLN race. Um, you have to do multiple races. I can't remember how many races you have to do. I think, I think it actually it's the amount of hours you have to be on the racetrack or the amount of laps. So. You can race in VLN, you can race RCN, and you can race in the qualifying race. That'll qualify you for a permit to race GT3s on the Nordschleife. But you, I pretty, pretty much, uh, on the bottom of the barrel classes, you can start out just racing in the Nordschleife. If you want to race like GT4s and GT3s, you have to get a good amount of hours on the wheel before you can drive one of these cars. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and I mean, real realistically, I think it's it's necessary. I mean, it it is kind of unique in that this track does require, you know, essentially that that kind of a license um, and, and that much kind of through the ranks that uh, really no other track requires outside of like maybe Le Mans. But um, I think it's necessary just for the just safety aspect and that even with all of the stuff going on and even how much experience you can have. Uh, we've seen time and time again, you know, even pros really make mistakes and uh, and make errors on this course. So, um, yeah, un- unfortunately, this is this just kind of comes with the territory when you have so many entries and so many different potential drivers that uh, you got to get all your ducks in a row. And so we'll see if uh, if he's on the grid. Uh, the next one though should finish a little bit higher up, I would feel like. And this is the first start of what I like to call potential, well, uh, you know, uh, eggs in basket. Let's just put it that way. The driver lineup pool will indicate more of that, but this is the 29 Audi uh, Sport Team Land. Uh, Team Land is a, whew, boy, they are they are world-class in terms of a sports car outfit. They're driving the Audi R8 in the SP9 category, and their driver lineup consists of Christopher Mies, Rene Rast, Kelvin Vanderlinde, and Christopher Haas. Hmm... I feel like we've heard one of those drivers already before in this entry list, Chris. We have, and it's not the first time this happened in this race. So Renny Rass is in the entry list for both the Audi Sport Team Land and Audi Sport Team Car Collection. So basically what happens is that, you know, they have four drivers in this race. So that means, you know, each driver races for about six hours each, uh, doing some, you know, quick math. Um, So from what I've gathered... From watching this race over the years, you are able to, you know, race in two cars. Um, and basically, I believe drivers just choose whichever car is the furthest ahead or has the most chance of winning as time goes on to, you know, be classified in that car. So, Rene Rass is basically driving two cars, and whichever one is furthest ahead by a certain time period, he's going to stick with that car. So, that's 
basically what he's doing. Yeah. Hey, and it's 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 viable. It's it's I, now has it worked in the past? I feel like it has, but I can't remember a specific time where it's worked where uh, a dual entry list this... has, has benefited the driver. But I'm pretty sure it's worked in the past. In Kelvin Vanderland, that's the only name I know off the top of my head. Did win with this team a couple years back when you know their act their mistake in the pit lane actually granted them the win yep. so it could have been the exact same lineup i mean i mean lots of german audi factory drivers interchange between the teams um so definitely audi sport team land i mean it's probably going to be up there with team car collection um but team audi sport team car collection is putting the money in both of these teams um so I mean, it's going to be close to call. I mean, obviously, bad luck hasn't counted on the Nordschleife before, so it's not too uncommon to see a car like Car Collection kind of maybe crash out, you know, 15 hours in, and then, you know, Randy Rast would have another backup plan to fall on to. Yep, absolutely. Next up on our list, uh, we've got a couple uh, Porsche 911s from the same racing team. We'll start with the number 30. Uh, listed entry first uh, from the Fricadelli racing team. Uh, this, I would assume, is the... Uh, well, these could both be Pro-Am, but this is definitely the Pro-Am version if there is a Pro-Pro. Uh, this the number 30 driven by Klaus Abilene, Alexander Mueller, Robert Renauer, uh, I think so, Thomas... Oh, Jesus. Prianning? Prining? Prining? I'm going to guess it's Prining. Prining? Prining? Yeah, Thomas Prining. Oh, that that would sound that. better. That's a pro-am, right? Well, uh, no, that's a pro. No, that's a pro. Okay, well, you know what? I have no idea what I'm talking about. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> so, let me get to something that I do know. Robert Renauer was a ADAC GT Masters champion last year, so he is definitely on a roll, and he's with Thomas Prining in this year's ADAC GT Masters grid. So those two together do race together in an actual championship, so there's chemistry right off the bat there. Thomas Prining... You know, Porsche Super Cup, I believe winner in Porsche Car Cup Deutschland uh, as, you know, a little bit of extra fun on the side. Um, and they they actually race for Herberth in the like, GT Masters. So what they're racing for, you know, frick, uh, obviously Herberth is more of a SRO, like Spa 24 or Creventic. Um, they just chose to race with Frickadelli as Frickadelli has experience here and won VLN races in the past, and along with Alexander Mueller and Klaus Abeland, who've been, I believe, with this team for a while, it's definitely a good team to put some uh, put put this put the steering wheel in and go race. Man, yeah. Well, thank you for the uh, for the lesson. I appreciate that. Uh, again, I, I there there's there's. There's only so much one can do to try to keep up, and uh, you know we just we need somebody like Chris constantly to uh, to to bounce some some questions off of, especially for these entry lists. So thank you for the info. I uh, I didn't know about the, uh, a lot of that. So the 31 though, I do rem- know some of these names, and uh, this one is a now uh, now I've got to assume this is a pro am lineup, but uh, Romain Dumas driving this one with Matt Campbell, Sven Moller, and Matteo Jaminet. One thing before, if when I said uh, when Marco Mapelli races for Scuderia Praha, cut that out because I mixed up the two Marcos. Um, 
Well, that's that's at least uh, five uh, minus five endurance points, Chris. So. So yep. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, the thirty-one Fricadelli Racing Team uh, are. This is definitely the most loaded one. I don't know how the other ones are pro. If this is a pro, um, Romain Dumas, Matt Campbell, which you know won Bathurst, Sven Mueller, and Matteo Jaminet. So you have three young guns. Well, Sven's kind of older than the Matt Campbell and Matteo Jaminet, but relatively three young guns with a very experienced guy like Romain Dumas. Uh, Romain Dumas is the mentor, and the other three are his students. Uh, that's basically what this car is. And, Students is kind of a very offensive word, even because those three are wicked quick. Yes, I mean if if you haven't seen Matt Campbell's uh, overtake for the lead uh, with uh, the minutes winding down at the Bathurst Twelve Hour this year, uh, I, I, I urge you to go look that up on YouTube or any uh, streaming platform because that was that was about as dive bomb esque that I've ever seen while remaining perfectly clean and perfectly legal. I mean. I just I, I I you don't even see that in in you know i racing or sim racing I mean that 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 was just such a just ballsy move that uh, I mean I just so much respect for Matt Campbell for that move so yeah I mean your description is certainly apt I, I, that should be uh, an incredibly quick uh, Porsche uh, moving on here so to our first uh, BMW. And I like to just keep pointing out the different makes. This is a very, very uh, varied uh, field of GT3 cars. Uh, this is a BMW M6 GT3 driven by Falcon Motorsports. Uh, this is driven by Peter Dumbreck, uh, Steph uh, Dusseldorf, Al Alexandre Imperatori, and Jens Klingman. And BMW, going back on previous years, they haven't won since 2010. So... First BMW in the entrance, and that's Falcon Motorsports. I believe they won a VLN race last year. Um, I can't remember if it was the Porsche or the BMW, but if so, I mean, the BMW at least got close to winning a race here in the Nordschleife. Peter Dumbreck. Um, fun fact, I believe Peter Dumbreck did win uh, the 1,000 kilometers of Palenga before. It's a little bit of obscure fun fact. <laughs> uh, Steph Dusseldorp has been with this team ever since the BMW ever since Falcon Motorsports have decided to get a BMW. Um, Alexandre Imperatori likes to kind of jump from manufacturer to manufacturer, doesn't he? Because we've seen him racing a Nissan in the Bathurst 12-hour earlier this year. Mm. And then you have Young's Klingman, who, you know, races BMWs kind of all over the world. I believe he races, or at least raced for Turner BMW back in IMSA for their big endurance. Yep, you know, you're right, you're right. That is a familiar name for me. Definitely have seen that on the side of the Turner Motorsports uh, BMWs. So, yeah, that's uh, in, in a in a interesting lineup too. This is one of uh, is this might be the only team. I'm sure there's another team maybe that I don't know of that I'm not aware of that is using two different chassis for a two car lineup. Huh? Yeah. So they've got the BMW M6 for their entry, and they also have a Porsche that they're entering as well. So I don't I don't recall any other team that's using two different chassis like that. Uh, is there any explanation why they're doing that, Chris? Or is it just kind of we've got we like a Porsche and we like BMW? Let's hedge our bets. That's kind of what it is. Um, once again, this is Falcon Motorsports, the Falcon Tire, you know, and they love the Nurburgring. 
they, you know, of course, after, unfortunately, you know, Falcon Tire pulled out of IMSA, um, this is the only place we can see pretty much Falcon Tires racing in sports cars. So they had the Porsche, but then they decided to move to the BMW, um, put their hand in both bags, as you will. But, I mean, I don't care what the really what the reason is. I mean, we get two cool cars with two different manufacturers. <laughs> Amen, Chris. Amen. I, hey, hey, I'm not complaining either. Not complaining either. It's a it's it's a great thing. I'd like to see, uh, especially I'd like to see as many uh, Falcon Tire liveries as I can on the on the uh, on the track. So if one has, happens to be on a larger car than a Porsche, then so be it. It's just more real estate for me to enjoy. So. Next one, it's one of our most notable ones. It's the new Nissans. There's a pair of them, too, with KCMG on there. Let's just get the drivers out of the way. So you have eight drivers between the two Nissans. You have Philip Wazik. You have Christian Menzo. Ooh, Christian Menzo, former BMW driver in the past. JPD Oliveira, Brazilian former Super GT 500 driver. Prestige name in Super GT. Glad to see him come aboard. Then you have Matteo Voxier. Um, that's the best I can pronounce that name, but I think I did pretty well. But then the, in, the, in the other car, you have Nico Menzel, who was also a who, who was also a BMW driver. Eduardo Liberati, Christian Jones, and no, Matteo Vaxveri is in thirty nine. Yeah, yeah, Joshua Burton's in the thirty eight. So, but it, I mean, which one? So, which one do you think is better, the thirty eight or thirty? I would I would lean thirty nine in terms of. Who I'm looking at for, but I mean both of them are, are real solid in terms of their, their driver lineups. Uh, it kind of it's weird because normally you can like choose whichever one pretty easily, but they can't cancel out. I mean, actually, I think I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna go with the 39 because Christer Jans is the name I do recognize. Uh, Nico Menzel um, has raced with BMWs a lot, but now mixing in with Nissans, but still a lot of experience. Eduardo Liberati, he raced with these Nissans a lot. I believe he was at the FIA GT World Cup with them. And then they have Matteo Vauxier, who's just coming off of Le Mans. He's a very strong driver in other whatever class he's in. So I think I'm leaning towards the 39, even though with the experience of the 38, especially with the Super GT experience racing with the Nissan with GP, JPD Oliveira, um, Joshua Bird, and Christian those yeah it's gonna be a tough one to call and which one's better i think but i think i'm leaning heavily towards the 39 good we're in accord good you're good <laughs> <laughs> the next one's also in a bmw but it's in the sp9 class so there's more focus it's um bmw team schnitzer so augusta lots of interesting names in these cars because you have augusto farfus was a factory bmw driver who i believe won the rolex 24 this year and also races in the another double duty driver actually racing in the World Touring Card Cup, WTCR support races at Nordschleife, and then you have Martin Tomczyk who basically does their GT stuff, Sheldon Vanderland who is races in the DTM, as with BMW, and then you have Timo Scheider who is a retired driver from the DTM and does more rallycross stuff now on the side, so it's a very decent lineup and I think it could be really contend up there for the league. Yeah, that yeah, could definitely be a little, uh, little dark horse there, um, just to sneak up in potentially early, and yeah, we'll see that the the two Martin Tomchik and Augusta Farfus for me are they solid, solid racers, so we'll see where they uh, where, where the chips fall for them. 
uh, Falcon Motorsports, uh, what I had previously said, their second entry, and this is again a different chassis, uh, a Porsche 911 GT3R, uh, the 44 is the entry number for Falcon Motorsports for this, uh, driven by Klaus Backler, Jörg Bergmeister, Martin Ragging, Ragging, Ragginger, Ragginger, maybe, uh, and Dirk yeah, Martin. Martin Ragginger. There. Yep. <laughs> so, Klaus Backler. I mean, he he's raced with Falcon Motorsports for such a long time, and you know, does other stuff with Porsche as well. Jörg Bergmeister. Um, I believe FIA World Endurance Champion for GTM, just coming off of that huge accomplishment for the Super Season, now coming into the Nürburgring 24, facing a new type of challenge. Martin Rackinger, who's also been with the Falcon Motorsport guys with a long time, I believe he also uh, did a few Porsche Carrera Cup Asia stuff when he was up and coming, and Dirk Werner um, doing stuff for this Porsche team as well. Right, I'm I love Falcon Motorsports on Porsches, so this is uh this is a lot of memories for me of like ten and fifteen years ago when they raced in LMS. So it's gonna be great to watch that uh, 911 circulate with uh with that iconic livery on it. So we have another Nissan on the entry list. It just it's, this one's different from the other Nissan. This one's just slated as a Nissan GTR Nismo GT3 instead of a Nissan GTR Nismo GT3 2018. Don't know what the difference is, but the difference is, is that they have a good amount of quality Japanese drivers. I mean, you have Takabashi Mitsunori, which won the Japanese Formula 3 championship two times, one in the national class, one in overall. Then you have Tomodu Fuji, who I believe raced in the 24 hours of Fuji with Nissan earlier this month and came in second and third overall. It's a class of four cars, not exactly an impressive achievement, but still... They, I believe they ran to about 18 hours into the race, probably hours in the race. So they have ran a 24-hour race before this year, so that may come in hand for the experience. Uh, Sugio Matsuda, who is a, a very experienced Nissan driver, won the uh, Super Formula Championship twice, won the Super GT Championship. And they have Tom Cornell, which who we all know, races in WTCR, did a little Japanese racing himself back in the day. So, very interesting car. It's a very interesting car because people, some people, are slating this car to be a dark horse. I mean, from what you've said in terms of talent-wise, this this could be the best that uh, Japan has to offer for this uh, this year's contingent uh, for the the 24-hour race. And I mean, to be to be let off too with uh, with with a veteran like that as as well can't do you any wrong. So uh, the the Nissan platform has been quick down the straights. I mean it is it is a different kind of looking GT3 car than what we're used to, and the flashes of brilliance that that the uh, GTR has shown some in some of these major races, I've just absolutely ate it up and I've enjoyed it. So hopefully we could see one of these GTRs at the front of the field, and hey, why not have a uh, a pretty heavily Japanese man crew. Uh, be uh, driving that one. So the reason that people are slaying this to be the dark horse, not only it's the drivers that people are exclaiming how good this car is going to be, it's also the type of tire they they run. So they run the Yokohama tire, and it's rumored that the Yokohama tires are going to be the fastest in the dry. So and, and add to the fact that in the qualifying race, they have the second best theoretical lap time. So 
Let, let me just explain theoretical lap time. So they've been used in Creventic, I believe, I believe before. But for this year, and they might have been used last year, but I know for this year, they're going to use the theoretical best lap time for qualifying order and for the order of the race. So basically what a theoretical lap time is is that they take the best sector times and just combine them and see what kind of lap they produce. So they take the so the best sector times from each sector, add them together, that's the theoretical best lap time. So second best theoretical lap time behind, I believe, the race-winning Vulcan horse from the qualifying race is no thing to, no thing to laugh at. So the dark horse explanation these people are giving is a very, very well thought out one. Mm, okay, so yeah, def- definitely look for that uh, 45 uh, as it goes throughout the race here. See, see how they fare uh, as the race progresses. Next up will be Mercedes-AMG team and filter. Now, this is another SP9 GT3 car. Um, this team races with uh, races in the ADAC GT Masters along with some other series. Uh, they also have a GT4 in the ADAC GT4 Germany, so they're quite all over. Um, Christian Hohnadel, uh, Lance David Arnold, uh, Raphael Marcello, and Maxi Getz. I've, I feel like I've heard Maxi Getz before. Am I, am I right in, um, in thinking I've heard of him before? He, he has he has raced in Blank Pan GT World Challenge Asia before. Uh, did win quite a few races at that. Lance David Arnold, I believe, races with them in the ADAC GT Masters. Um, and Rafael Marcello, uh, also another dude who kind of races in the Blank Pan GT World Challenge Asia, but he also is mixing in with the European scene now. Um uh, I believe Christian Hadnell, I don't know where he's from. He doesn't race for their GT4 team, so he's he, he must have had been somewhere along the line. Once again, you know, doing this podcast, we're not going to know every driver. We're gonna we're probably going to find out, you know, as soon as this podcast finishes. But hopefully <laughs> Christian Hadnell kind of surprises us, because that's a no-namer right now for us. But um, uh, Team Speedline Racing, the number 50 car. It's a BMW Z4 GT3 in the SP9LG category. Chris will have you discuss that, but let me get the lineup for you. Peter Pozabak, Rolf Schiebner, uh, Dirk Heldman, and Jorg Müller. So we certainly know who Jorg Müller is. I believe he actually (laughs) is the actual previous winner of this race before. Yes, he is, 2004, um, with Schnitzer Motorsport. So racing in a lower class... Um, technically, uh, SP9 still kind of with the overall, but LG. So LG just basically means last generation. So if you entered with a old Bentley Continental or an old Audi or R8, you'd be classified as an SP9 LG. I believe this is probably the only SP9 LG car on the grid. If not, maybe there's maybe one or two more floating out there. So. Kylo secured the class victory with his Z4 GT3, so it's it's winning something as an old car. Unfortunately, with the M6 replacing it, we don't see as much Z4s on track nowadays, but we get to see them at the uh, VLN and the uh, 24 Hours Nurburgring now, so that's a very, very awesome to see. Yeah, more more, more different chassis, the better, all I say, so that's uh, it's always a good thing, and... Uh... Well, yeah, we'll we'll see how the last generation BMW Z4 does again uh, against some more newer newer opponents. So we go on from the Z4 GT3 to the, to the Ferrari 488 GT3. Um, 
the, the the caliber of drivers in this car is not nothing to laugh at, but the team is not exactly the best. It's not exactly the type of team you see at the top of the results page. It's Octane one two six with uh, Bjorn Grossman, Simon Trummer, and Jonathan Hershey. Um, I'm guess I, I'm gonna go on the limb. I remember Grossman from being a excellent Ferrari Challenge Europe driver, and when I see him race, he usually kind of dominated the races he was in. So I think that will be a very good addition to that lineup. Then you have Simon Drummer, who I believe raced for LMP1 for Rebellion. And then you have Jonathan Hershey, who just raced LMP2s a lot. So we got two LMP boys and one Ferrari Challenge Europe driver. Yeah, I think Trimmer also did IMSA as well for JDC. Or J, uh, yeah, I think JDC Miller, he, he raced for them too. So he's got some prototype experience, that's for sure. Noctane one two six did run in the qualifying race, and this is kind of mired, um, you know, when we're looking at this entry list too. Uh, we're we're starting to get into other other entries. So as as the early part of the episode uh, kind of covered almost a sequential one two three four. Now we start you know jumping here and there. So but uh, a, a all Swiss entry lineup for the Octane one twenty six team uh, number fifty five Ferrari four eight eight GT three. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the the names stand out. the The team is is interesting. Uh, One twenty six Froctane. <laughs> and class from where they were in the qualifying race, so we don't really have um, a gauge of where they're going to be at in the overall. Well, they race at SPX, which is basically kind of GT three, kind of. But so Octane one two six second in class with the Scuderia Cam and Glickenhaus coming in first. They were a lap down from the Glickenhaus car. Um, same lineup as well. They completed forty laps and let's see, let's see where that compared to the leaders of the qualifying race. Forty one. So they're only a lap down from the overall leaders, but that was only for through a six hour time span. So this car may have been. Uh, a bit better than I'm giving them credit. So hopefully we'll see them uh, do relatively well because it's a very great lineup. Octane one two one two six has been racing these Ferraris for a while. I know they did a few Corventic races, especially the twelve hours of Mugello. So Octane one two six could be a theoretical uh, dark horse in the lineup. I'm we'll, we'll see. And for clarification, is that Pro Am or Pro Pro? Actually, this is in Pro Pro. Okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, then uh, I, yeah, we'll we'll see, we'll see. The uh, being lapped down though after six hours doesn't bode well, but you never know what weather conditions and whatnot have. And that, uh, yeah, hey, it's a Ferrari, so should be all right. Uh, so now beyond that, uh, we we've hit a couple entries that we might not see at the head of the field. Uh, the next couple coming up here in the SP9 category, uh, the starting with the number ninety-eight of Row Racing. Uh, racing the BMW M6 GT3, I kind of think one of these two cars will be leading at some point throughout this race. Uh, Row Racing is a legendary uh, team uh, with uh, a ton of accolades and success. So uh, driving the number 98, we have Philip Ang, Connor DeFilippi, uh, Tom Blomquist, and Mikkel Jensen. Yeah, so this car, um, Connor DeFilippi, a recent BMW transplant, Tom Blomquist, uh, former DTM driver. Philip Bang, current DTM driver, won a DTM race at Zolder this year, so he's definitely getting that experience, getting that good racing time behind the wheel 
Um, didn't do didn't do too well Lamont, fortunately. So he's looking for a new ring for a good little comeback. Um, and Mikkel Jensen, uh, yeah, he he's been kind of with BMW for a while now. Um, don't know too much about him personally to know make a great analysis on the dude. But Connor De Filippi, overall winner with Land a couple years back, and that was the car when you know they had that mistake with the fuel cap and. That mistake actually, you know, co- not cost him the win, but gained him the win. So Connor De Filippi will be in that camp, knowing that hey, I won overall. Um, good, ex- not relative experience. He's still a relatively young guy compared to guys like Tom Blomquist and uh, Mikko Jensen. But Connor De Filippi, with how to win this race, he'll he'll know how to calm those nerves, I think, and do the whole team a favor and. But the next car actually won a race in VLN this year. It'll be the first round of the season. Um, Nikki Katzberg, Marco Vettman, Jesse Crone, and John Edwards. And Jesse Crone will be the one adding to that VLN 1 lineup. And Jesse Crone has won endurance races this year, relatively small ones, but he's been racing in the Italian Endurance Championship, which is just an extended branch of the Italian GT Championship, but racing with the BMW M6 GT3. Uh, one of the three hours of Misano, I believe, and the three hours of Monza. So he's winning those races in the Italian Endurance Championship. Then you add along with like Marco Vittman, who's been you know in DTM, John Edwards with the IMSA BMW program, and then you have Nikki Katzberg, who's doing WTCR racing on the side with Hyundai. So lots of these guys are. Go, are winning races and having a lot of racing experience and some of them racing just a week before at Le Mans. Yeah, carrying over a lot of uh, a lot of learning and a lot of lessons from uh, the previous weekend's uh, 24-hour race. Um, the thing that really stands out for both, for I, I would really say for row racing's lineup is that you're, you're seeing a, a very international aspect to their lineups, uh, really drawing talent from around uh, Europe as well as internationally. Uh, from the U.S. in both their lineups, um, really trying to uh, capture as much talent as you possibly can in the driving lineup. Uh, the, our next two, equally, I, I would say, are, are just as talented, yet they they go for more local flair um, and you almost want to say get it done at, almost in the same kind of method, um, still using the BMW M6 GT3. I'm talking, of course, about the one entries 100 and 101 of Walkenhorst Motorsport, Walkenhorst, if you're in German, uh, and the first one, Will 100, is uh, entry, entered by uh, Henry Valkenhorst, the man himself, Andreas Ziegler, Jorn Schmidt-Stadt, uh, and Jordan Tresen. So this is the Pro-Am car, and obviously Henry Valkenhorst will be the guy uh, kind of running the team a bit. And the other three are just guys looking to have a good time, probably racing in the VLN before. Um so this is going to be on the lower side of things. But the next car is actually your qualifying race winners. That's the 101 listed in the pro class. Same with Valkenhorst. Christian Krogness, uh, David Pittard, Nick Yellowley. And adding to that in qualifying race lineup, you have Lucas Ardonez. And that's a very solid pickup. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, he knows how to wheel a GT3 car pretty quick around a few circuits. Lucas Ardonez, obviously... Um, not with the Nissan program anymore. Nissan doesn't really have a program in Europe anymore. It's all mainly a Japanese thing. So good thing for Lucas Ardonas. He's been kind of jumping GT3s around. Um, didn't he race a Ben? 
Yeah, he's driving the bigger cars. I wonder if I wonder yeah. if that uh, Nissan GTR footprint is kind of uh, pretty looms pretty large in his his past that he, he only really wants to drive the big big boys. But more power to him. I mean, those are those are fantastic looking cars, and uh, hopefully we can see that BMW up front. So we we we've, the, we've covered four BMWs now. I would say that that is a extremely solid chassis now for endurance racing, specifically in the GT3 trim. Uh, is that a case of the BOP tables finally playing right after a few years of just kind of being off, or is it a, a case synonymous, synonymously, I should say, with maybe more testing and more understanding of the car? Because, I mean, when, when that GT3 variant came out, it was it, it just didn't seem like it was anywhere really, and. Uh, if I recall, that was during the GTE GT3 merger talks where they kind of sacrificed a bit from this car um, to see it do this well, especially from last year's wins, and to see it doing this well already. Uh, what do you attribute, Chris, to its success so far in the last two years for GT3? Well, the BMWs, I can't remember them. Um, I can't remember them winning a. Well, actually, they did win the Spa 24, I believe last year two years ago so they have a major 24-hour race win under their belts and but other than that um, they've been getting victories in smaller locations like once again the italian endurance championship so and plus the vln and the organizers actually you know, praise guys who actually run their fullest they don't really penalize them with bop if they show them not true pace so i think the bmws are going to be one of the clear favorites this year as they won vln and the vln won and the qualifying race. But I just want to go back to the 101 real quick. The mm -hmm. interesting fact, Lucas Ordonez, remember, he was in the same camp of that, you know, Gran Turismo Academy with PlayStation. And this is a PlayStation-sponsored car. Mm. It's all coming together. Mm, yeah. It's sponsored by Gran Turismo, the real driving simulator. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, yeah. Which... So there... Look, tie-ins will work in any way realistically possible, especially at the number green 24. If you could get a really fast driver along with a potential sponsorship, hey, more power to you. Continuing with our SP9 uh, entry list discussion uh, here at Endurance Chat. Oh, man. Just looking at this, we're, you know, I said previously, we're, we're getting into the thick of, of where the the meat of this uh, event I, where i enjoy this event i should say um where that there's just so many different variants of of, of class and categories that you'll find that uh, really eat up the or the rest of the 160 entries and while we have a massive uh, pro and pro-am field uh in gt3 that will eat up the headlines so many of these other cars are really really good and uh we'll be talking about them in the next episode but um, I believe we've got one more left, Chris. Is that right? Well, actually, we got two more left in this entry list for the GT3s, kind of, as we have the Scuderia Cameron Glickenhaus. We're listed in the SPX class, but, I mean, if you got pole position overall in this race, you, I mean, you got to be We got to talk about GT3. you. <laughs> we got to talk about the GT3s. And plus, Glickenhaus, you know, lots of stories around the team recently with, you know, Hypercar and all. All that, but Glickenhaus. This is this is uh, this is the this is their playground, the Nurburgring. They've been here for years. This they won in class, obviously with SPX. But that's little to no competition. They got all those SPX trophies, but they don't can't really brag about them. They want that overall win. But you have Thomas Much 
Felipe Lazar Fernandez, Frank Malou, and Andrea Samuelson. So this isn't the usual because you had like guys like I believe Jeff Siegel in the car. Um, yeah, a few Americans, but this is a relatively uh, new group of drivers in this type of car. I know Frank Melu, I believe, raced here. Um, probably the same lineup we have in the qualifying race. So, fast car, but I don't know if the drivers are going to do it justice. Hmm. Yeah, it, it, it will be interesting to see. Yeah, the, I'm not... Yeah, I mean, it, if I was going to bet for them to win overall, I would probably not pick this year to do it. Um, I wouldn't have done it last year either. I didn't. I didn't like kind of how their pace was looking either. But uh, you never know. Uh, I mean, and this is this is what I I enjoy a lot about this category too is that it this is a kind of a experimental. We'll we'll try to peg you with everybody else, but uh, you know um, you're still you're still in it with uh, with a shot to to win something, which is uh, which is always great uh, and it's always inviting. I, I would say for different teams and different kind of technologies to participate in this and it works out extremely well so um but yeah so the lone spx category entrant uh, for this year's uh, nurburgring 24 um is glickenhaus racing with their prototype-esque <laughs> i'd say gt3 car so we'll see if they uh, if they continue uh, entering in, in years to come yeah if what you say is uh, is going to go down if they do join le mans and, and join uh, endurance racing in another category so interesting to see though and then for our final, final SP9 entry here, uh, it is a Porsche. And uh, a extremely, extremely talented driver lineup consists uh, the Manti Racing number 911 Porsche 911 GT3. Um, yeah, I, I would say this is stacked. Earl Bamber, Michael Christensen, Kevin Estra, and Lawrence Vantor uh, all piloting that car. Man, yeah. Uh, it's not labeled one two three, but it almost feels like it would be a one two three next year, right? Man, Manti Racing is so strong. I believe they actually got a one two three, or at least almost got one in VLN three. And looking at who won, it was the other nine one twelve, or it would be the number one Manti Racing car in this race that won VLN three. This is the other Manti Racing car, and after being split up at Lamar, Bamthor is back as a group. Earl Bambor and Lawrence Van Thor uh, usually race together in IMSA. They're back together again in the Nürburgring 24. Yeah, both Manti Racing cars, it, they have to be up there in your picks because they won last year. Um, they're relatively good. They, they also won VLN3, so they won already this year at the Nordschleife. And plus... You have guys like Earl Bamber, Michael Christensen, you know, Kevin Estra. I mean, guys that just – and plus you got world endurance champions. They recently crowned world endurance champions with Kevin Estra. Um, I can't remember who else was with him that won the championship. I know Kevin Estra won the world endurance championship for GTE Pro. So they're coming off of that high. They're coming off of the championship trophy. They're looking to have another winner's trophy to that list. Yeah, and what what a way to really uh, you know cap off the SP9 category with uh, a, yeah a, a legendary I would almost want to say lineup uh, with a with a with the Porsche squad, um, and really that that to me leads up to a, a quick question I have for you. So the German manufacturers are are going to be good. 
I don't think anybody yes. can question that. Which of the German manufacturers that are entering do you think have the best shot of winning? Audi, BMW, Porsche, Mercedes? What do you? Which one of those are you thinking are going to potentially come out on top? We've had Audi and Porsche last two years. Let's see. BMW hasn't won since 2010, and they're really strong in the previous races this year. So I'm, I want to give BMW the benefit of the doubt. I want I, I, I think they have a real shot this year. Um, so I think I'm going to go with BMW. Um, they have shown to be really strong this year. I think Porsche is a real close second. The Audis and the Mercedes, they haven't at least been winning races. But I think it's going to be a real close fight. Um, just at least take a look at the um, qualifying race. You had BM, yeah, top three a BMW sweep in the qualifying race with Porsche, Mercedes following close behind. So I think Audi might be at a disadvantage here. So it's not often we say that, but I think BMWs and Porsches, those, those are going to be the cars to be, I think, this year. Man, okay, and then yeah, we we and I, I another question I was gonna ask was about Glickenhaus and their shots overall, which we already talked about. But my next big one that I have in bold here in my notes is weather. Uh, weather has been such a huge, huge, huge deal uh, over the last uh, you know I would say handful of years at the Nurburgring 24, and it always plays a factor um, as much as it's cliched at all the 24-hour races that we attend. Uh, weather seems to affect this one the most and the most acutely. Um, looking at the temp schedule, I'm seeing some Friday thunderstorms, but mostly pleasant is the description for uh, the weekend weather. Can we trust that? Is it trust? Uh, can we put our trust in the weatherman this year? Will will we see a somewhat dry Nurburgring 24? So it would, it would be Tuesday night at the Nurburgring when we're recording this. So... Not sure yet, because I think earlier in the week we did see some call for some scattered showers and thunderstorms, but those were mainly a 20-30% chance. But that's still a 20% and 30% chance in the Eiffel. So I wouldn't put, I wouldn't, you know, call it done and dusted for the forecast yet. Although it has changed uh, for some people for the better, um, with lots of dry running. But... I wouldn't count on it yet for being a completely drier. I wouldn't. I would. I would say wait until the Thursday or Friday and check the forecast then. And all Thursday and Friday, the qualifying days, do have rain impacting them. So you might have a very interesting lineup coming in to uh, the race on Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, again, it, it, <laughs> all I feel like, yeah, I feel like I almost answered my question as soon as you answered it was that, uh, yeah, it's too, too soon to tell. And almost even hours before it rains would be almost too soon to tell up in those mountains and, and forest up there. So, but quickly, uh, before this episode comes to a close, um, I want to just really quickly discuss the differences that you could see on track. So when we're watching the stream, Chris, um, tell us what are the differences that we're going to look for to, to judge visually between a pro-am pro um in the, the strobing lights give us a little description of of what we can look for to kind of maybe differentiate uh different cars beyond just their numbers if possible so you'll you'll know if a if, it, if, if so you know if if it's a pro-am 
entry or if it's a pro entry. Uh, most simplest answer, just look on your timing screen or your entry list. Um, there might be a spotter's guide coming out for this race by SportsCarInfo.de. So those are going to be the easiest ways to help. But in terms of on track, um, you can't really tell unless you know um, what the entry is, if, if you know if it's a clash or not. Because sometimes the pro drivers in the car and they're passing other cars in the probes in the pro positions, but if they have the am in the car, you, you would assume it gets passed relatively easier by the pro. So that that's gonna be your way to tell. It's not surefire, but it's it's kind of a general rule of thumb. Gotcha. So describe too. So and I said blue lights before. The blue light system. Is, is different for uh, you know it, it's not to tell a specific class of car it's to tell something different right exactly so the top 30 qualifying is actually a very weird system that they play out because you you can run in the the, the VLN races and the qualifying race. that's four races between or before the actual 24 race and if you do well enough in those four races, you can only do, you only have to do well enough in one race. You automatically get slated on as the top, onto the top thirty qualifying list. And I believe there's seventeen already confirmed in top thirty qualifying. So that only leaves thirteen more cars to be entered in the Friday session. So when you watch qualifying on Thursday and Friday, it's it's going to be difficult because you're going to see maybe a lower class car in the top 30 but they're not going to be in top 30 qualifying because of how the system r runs itself so if you do get into top 30 qualifying you get a flashing blue light which basically means as kind of like the blue flags it alerts the cars that are ahead of them to get out of their way um so it kind of saves the marshals some time. It's kind of a unique thing for the event itself. Awesome, yeah, and that and and that I I think too. As much as it might be annoying, you know, when it's at night and it's pulsing blue lights that we're seeing while we're watching the stream. Yeah, I, I think that is a it's a low tech, but it is an easy way to help the marshals and to help other drivers quickly know. Now, granted, obviously, if you're thirty, if you qualify thirty first. Well, that's that's unfortunate. You're not gonna have that ability to assist yourself, but um, I, I think it does do its purpose well. And you know, beyond the visual aspect of it, where it is maybe a little slightly jarring, it it serves a very very integral point and role in the race. So, uh, yeah, appreciate the info. And I and I think uh, the little subtleties of this race um, are conducted, like I said, differently than any others. And so some of these different rules you might not see any other place other than in the VLN or at this track or at this event. So, But that draws our SP9 or GT3 uh, category entry list discussion to a close. Uh, man, this is going to be an absolutely uh, epic race if any of the last few have had anything to say about it. And just looking at this entry list and discussing uh, not only the driver lineups, the teams, uh, as well as some of the you know BOP tables that we even get to look at, which is my God, a juxtaposition from what I feel like the ACO does. Um, it's it should be an absolutely fantastic race. And uh, Chris, I really really appreciate all your insight as usual. Uh, any last words before uh, before we get ready to watch what it what should be an epic GT3 race at the Nordschleife? So along the GT3s, uh, I think I think. 
the most interesting factor that um, I came across this week is that the official timing, and of course the feed for the official timing may go into James Muscat's Witham timing, might have nine sectors to follow along. So if you're watching along at home, have that timing screen open, you might have nine sectors to keep track of. And it's going to be easier to know if a car is uh, going slow because of a slow zone, they're just going slow in general, and you know, you know how the gaps are coming across throughout the race. So they have nine sectors. Um, there is a there is a track map on the 24 hours uh, form that shows the sectors. So look, it's looking like a great possibility that the timing is going to have nine sectors this year. So that's a very awesome thing to hear. Um, but overall, um, I think we're going to save how we're going to watch it and you know where the where the where the action is and all the other support race information for part two just to force you guys to listen yeah right i mean we'll, we're going to talk <laughs> about mandatory minimum race stint lengths i mean and 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 refuel limits i mean i, I i'm just honestly i'm i'm jumping up and down ready ready for that discussion so i uh, stay stay tuned especially if you want to get a little bit of insight on some of the lesser known entries and some of the more i'd say wholesome entries uh that we still have left on this list to discuss uh so please stick around for, for that. It'll be kind of a part two of the uh, Nürburgring 24-hour entry list for 2019. But uh, on behalf of Chris and uh, Flood and everybody else here at Endurance Chat, I'm Cookie Master FL. Have a good one, guys. Gazoo! there's so much stuff going on i'll probably send it to you and a, a few other people just to listen to it to make sure i edited everything correctly and so that we didn't leave what's like this in or something like that